Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into Up in the Raptors, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Vipolis. This year, as always, I'm joined by national champion, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, Carolina basketball legend, and the ACC Network's Joe Barry. Joel, this was this was your first weekend in studio for ACC Network. How how was that experience? Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. This was my first time uh, being with Coach Bayheim outside of the outside of the the basketball court. So, uh, didn't know how it would go, but man, it was it was awesome. Uh, that guy is just being in his presence, man, was pretty cool. Um, but being able to sit down and just like really hear how coaches talk and what they're looking at and how they're breaking down stuff, man, it was it was awesome. And we had great conversations. Me and him laughed quite a bit. Uh, I was able to poke fun at a couple of or, or a picture he had up. Looked like he had a belt on playing it with a basketball uniform. I was like, Coach, what were y'all doing back then wearing belts? And I think it, it – I don't know if it was a belt. We we weren't able to confirm it, but it, it definitely looked like it. But it was awesome, man. I enjoyed it. And then uh, almost got stuck. It was snowing. So um, I'm, 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 you know, down there from Florida where you are right now, and they had your boy out there in the cold. I'm like, hold on now. So luckily I was able to get out of there. Uh, and I do have a cool story. Um was driving and someone got stuck, man. And I uh I pulled over to the side. I stepped out there on faith. I didn't know what I was doing. I told the dude, I said, look, man, I'm from Florida. So you got somebody that don't know what they're doing. But I'm gonna help you out in any way that I can. We end up pushing the car. I pushed the car back, got my man on the highway, and he was on and I was on, got to the airport, got back home to the family. Wow. So that yeah, that was your good deed for the day. Yeah, that was my that was my good deed for the day. Early, super early in the morning. So, uh, got a good deed in early in the morning and got back home to my family. So, <laughs> working working with Coach Beheim was was there any banter there between your playing days and, and his coaching days? Because you you guys sent them home one of the Final Fours. We did, and I told I told Coach straight up. I said, look, we were playing Indiana. Um, I forget where we were, but our game we were up by like twenty already. Um, and we were dreading because we knew who we had the next game. We were like, oh, we got Malcolm Brogdon and London Perantes and Anthony Gill. We were like, man, this is going to be tough. And then we look up at the scoreboard and Syracuse is winning the game. <laughs> I told, I said, coach, I did not expect to play y'all in the final four. He said, coach said, yeah, I didn't expect to be there. <laughs> They were down. They were, he said they were down like 16 points or something. So it was crazy. But 
uh, I will say that I he uh, I never lost a game to him, which was awesome. So uh, Brian, shout out to Brian Ives for bringing that up in the conversation. So uh, yeah, glad we got that established. <laughs> I re- I remember that Final Four run and the Villanova championship game. That was my senior year, and I as a student I remember always getting like nervous before big tournament games and, and anything like that. Any games that had like significant stakes. The yeah. least worried I've ever been is is when I saw Syracuse North Carolina Final Four. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to the championship. <laughs> Hey, I had a huge relief. I mean, you got to think you going from one of the hardest defenses to play against man to man to playing against a zone. And yeah. so, you know, you don't have to, you got to put in work still, but it's like a, it's a different type of work. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. They still playing, had a good team, but. Playing against a zone with a Bryce Johnson in the middle of that zone, able yeah. to pick it apart. Pick it apart or or throw it from the baseline and just have a lob through it and just throw it up to him. That dude was playing out of his mind that year. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. The, the game that we have to talk about this week, Carolina beats Clemson on the road. They win 65 to 55. The Tar Heels pull away late. Before we get into specifics from that game, what were just your overall general takeaways watching it? Yeah, you know, these were two really good offensive teams, and uh, it was scoring prowess all over the court. Um, and so you would, you know, you thought that it would be somewhat of a high-scoring game, um, but it turned out to be, you know, 65 to 55, not too many, not too much scoring going on. I mean, both teams, Carolina shot 41%, uh, Clemson shot 36%, but it wasn't one of those games where it was like, you know, bucket after bucket after bucket, teams couldn't stop each other. Um, I thought Carolina did a great job defensively, but uh, the, it, it, it was an awesome game. It was one of those games that kind of felt like it had a March Madness type of feel to it, where it was very, um, just every play was so important. Um, and it was a chess match going on. So I enjoyed watching it, man. And I thought that uh, more than anything, Carolina impressed me on the defensive end. Yeah, I agree with you on the defensive end. And I think this was a, a game where Carolina's coming off the pit win on the road at Pitt. They, they could have patted themselves on the back. Uh, I think they were a three and a half point underdog, according to Vegas, going to Clemson. So yeah. a lot of people didn't expect this Carolina team to win, even though they, they were the higher ranked team. So what do you think it says about this team that they can go in and, and handle business in, in two consecutive road conference games? Yeah, I haven't winning your road games is what sets you apart in this league. And I, I will say, I will go to say any league. Going on the road is really tough. Um, and let alone going on the road twice in a row. I mean, that's 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 hard. But I think it does say a lot about this team and the fact that they can go on a roll and it doesn't matter how they need to play um, or how they play. They can get the job done. You go on the road to pit, you go 0 for 10 from the field, and then you get it going and you're able to come out on top and win that game. Go to Clemson, you know, R.J. Davis, who has been playing lights out, um, you know, isn't the guy, you know, that we've seen the last eight games scoring 20 plus points. Um, But you're still you manage to still get it done with other guys stepping up. And I think that's the thing is Carolina can win in so many different ways. And it's just so hard to scout this team 
with the way that RJ is playing. And then Cormac stepped up, Brian stepped up in that first half. And then Armando played really well, more defensively, but offensively, I loved his aggressiveness. But it just goes to show that this team is so well balanced and can attack you in so many different ways. And uh, they can win in different ways, which I think is very important. That, that's a perfect segue. You mentioning that this Carolina team can win in, in a, a multitude of ways. It, it's easy to win games when you're shooting 50% from the field, you know, 40, high 40% from, from three. This team does have um, the ability to, to grind out wins. They have uh, the ability to, to beat you with their defense and, and, when a team like Clemson wants to play the the toughness game, we've seen Carolina this year, the, the Clemson game, the Pitt game, the, the Tennessee game where, where they can beat you with toughness. What do you think it kind of says about this team that, or, or how would you kind of compare it to, to your championship level teams where it, it wasn't always the nights where you guys were on your best shooting, but you just kept finding ways to win. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing, because the one thing that you can't rely on is making shots like you have to be able to um, disassociate yourself from making shots. And I think I mentioned that last year with our last on our last podcast with the with the pit game, you know, going over 10, you know, you can't let that spill over to the other side of the court when you're playing defense. Um, and I think them being able to play good defense when those shots aren't going in is, is is very key. And when we talk about comparing it to like even the 2016 team, we went down to Virginia and we played and we got our butts whooped and we were like, look, we can score the ball, but the difference maker is us playing defense when we can't score the ball because we couldn't score the ball. <laughs> and what set us apart the rest of the way was our defense. So for this Carolina team, being able to show like, one, I think the physicality, that has always been a question that that everyone has uh, questioned about Carolina is the physicality part, the toughness part. They're showing that. I think they've they've showed that in every single game so far. Um, but just being able to play games where it's not, you know, high scoring, how can we still step up and, and play defensively? How can we still take each and every play um, and, and make it important when in a 50-50 battle? Uh, or 50-50 ball battle. Um, and I just, you know, I think that'll be the difference maker of this team. And we know they can score the ball, but defensively I think will be the difference that takes them from a team that can win the conference to a team that, you know, can make a run to the national championship. That first half in the Clemson game, Clemson was just trying to rough up Carolina. They were disrupting them from getting into any sets. You saw the the end of the first half where Carolina calls a timeout, they try to draw up a play where RJ Davis comes up on an elevator screen. Clemson blows it up almost instantly, just not letting him get through. As a player, how do you handle that when when a team is trying to be physical with you and they're getting away with it? Because if if the refs aren't calling it, you know, it, it's not a foul. And you just kind of have to shift your mindset to be like, okay, if, if the refs aren't calling it, like, let's kind of let's kind of bring it on yeah and that's the hard part is because when you talk about going on the road maybe they're not calling it for Clemson but maybe it's a foul on Carolina but you just never know but it's just one of those fine lines where one I think the best thing 
you 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 can do is not get into complaining to the refs and allowing that physicality to take you away from the game plan and what you all are doing um because it's so easy to start putting your hands up in the air complaining on every single call instead of focusing on the game um and i thought they did a great job of just sticking sticking with it and staying focused and being aggressive back like you know, if they want to be aggressive, you will be aggressive, be, be physical. And I thought they did a really good job of that. Maybe a little bit too much because you look in the first half, um, you know, they uh, Clemson was 12 for 14 from the line, which Carolina came into this game the uh, for Clemson to keep them off of the free throw line. But um, so maybe they were a little too aggressive. But um, I thought they did a really good job of matching that physicality. But as a player, the one thing that you have to do is just continue to stick with it, um, find some counters. But the last thing you want to do is start complaining to the refs and getting out of it. And they didn't do that. Yeah, the free throw disparity was on on full display that first half where Carolina enters the game shooting the most free throw attempts in, in the conference. They only attempt three free throws. I think they were – at times in the first half, settling on jumpers instead of attacking. Yeah. What did you kind of notice in in the second half for for why Carolina did look so much better offensively? Yeah. Um. They 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 one they started getting into the paint, which uh, and then you know getting the ball to Armando, um, and PJ Hall got in foul trouble. And when you look at Clemson, they're they're really not a uh, they don't jump off the charts as a uh, a shot blocking team um and like i liked in the first half when they came out right away and they threw the ball to armando got an and one and got pj his first foul um i thought that set the tone and that should have showed like you know we need to keep going inside um but with the way that rj has been playing you know you kind of you know you have to get him the ball but they did a great job of shutting him down a little bit in the first half Uh, But I just thought they started getting into the paint um, and not allowing Clemson's physicality to stop them from attacking the basket Um, and then being able to establish Armando inside. um, I thought that was the I thought that was the difference maker. And then getting P.J. Hall, who probably has blocked the most shots on Clemson's team this year, um, being able to neutralize him by getting him in foul trouble. Yeah, I thought without question. Uh, the reason why Carolina won this game was Armando Baycott's work in the post defensively against P.J. Hall. I thought this was Armando's best game to date this season where he goes for 14 points, 16 rebounds. What did you see from him in this game? Because it, it looked like it looked like you had uh, Armando out there with a, a little bit more fire under. Yeah, and that's that's what I noticed. Um just the way that he was getting the ball and um, like establishing, establishing himself in the paint. Like I mentioned that and one that he had, he had deep, deep post, uh, deep post work, got the ball, turn around quick, you know, quick decision, made a basket. He was catching the ball on the, uh, a little off the block, but doing his spin move, um, getting to the basket, making layups. I think that's the difference maker is when he's trying to like, just get into a physical back down battle. Sometimes he can get himself in trouble, but I think he is really at his best when he's catching it one, two second decision and get to what he wants to do. I think that's when he's at his best. Um, And so 
that's just speaking offensively, but defensively is where I thought he was amazing. You know, holding the PJ, holding PJ Hall to what uh I think he had 10 points. Four of 13. Points. Yeah, four of yeah. 13 from the field. Four of 13, you know, that's that's their star player. That's their bread and butter. That's their go-to. And he was able to neutralize him, being physical with it, with him, making it hard for him. Uh so while I thought that offensively Armando had a really good game when it comes down to making those split decisions. And as soon as you get the ball, um, I thought his defensive game was what really made the difference. Yeah. PJ Hall, he holds him to well below his season average. He came in uh, season average, both points per game and field goal percentage. So not only was he not scoring, he, he was not effective when, when he was trying to uh, score the basketball uh, the other player that Carolina did a good job on defensively, uh, Joe Girard, who had his moments uh, on the Syracuse team against Carolina a few times, comes in averaging over 15 points per game. He is held to one of 10 from the field, uh, five points. What did you see from Carolina's defense on, on the perimeter when it came to Girard? Yeah, and this is this is what you talk about. Um with your team as as far as knowing a scouting report like we each have our individual matchups but it's very important for everyone else to know what the other matchups can do because say if it was just uh you know rj knowing all right i got a three-point shooter i gotta run him off of the line but then the other four guys that are on the court don't understand what he can do then it becomes where now outside of RJ guarding him, he becomes a threat. But I thought that everyone did a good job of knowing that, okay, our job is to run. If Joe Girard gets the ball, our job is to run him off of the line. If he gets an opportunity to have the ball in his hand, but we want to make sure that we are keeping all eyes on him. So I just think as a team, as a team, they did a great job of collectively knowing what the scouting report is on him and not allowing him to get comfortable. And one of the possessions that stuck out to me was when Chase Hunter did a cross court pass and RJ, RJ was in the um, already in the paint and they did, you know, uh, the, the cross court pass to get that early shift in the defense. And RJ did a closeout and Joe Girard could have shot it, but he closed out so hard that he, he, um, that he got right into a shot pocket. Joe Girard couldn't get to the uh, get to a shot, and he goes down there and get and, and just gets annihilated by Armando up under the basket. <laughs> oh, I know exactly the and, possession you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just threw it out of bounds, and it, and but that that was like a in a nutshell. That's that's what they did the entire game is just making him uncomfortable. And when you have a shooter like that that can get it off at any time with a quick trigger, you got to be in that shooting pocket and you got to make them do something different. Quick break so I could remind everybody about Johnny T-Shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, you could visit Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. If not, you could go online to johnnytshirt.com. Basketball season is well underway and Johnny T-Shirt has everything that the Carolina basketball fan could possibly want. They've got the hats the jerseys, the t-shirts, they've got the cold weather gear as we get into January and February, you name it, Johnny t-shirts got it, get some Carolina gear for the Carolina fan in your life, or it's a 
every everybody needs a, a treat yourself every once in a while. So why not treat yourself to something at Johnny T-shirt? It's great people, great customer service. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Joel, I, I've noticed with this team, when they are, are trying to close out games, you, you look at who they have out there on the court. This, this past game against Clemson, it's Seth Trimble, um, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott. You look around, it, it is a, a ton of experience. And somebody like Cormac Ryan goes through shooting struggles, but he has a, a good first half where he scores all 10 of his points in the, in the first half. Harrison Ingram has moments in the Clemson game where he looks good, and then he has moments where um, he, he's getting beat on defense. But collectively, this group, the the effort they play with, the experience they bring to the court, how how do you kind of put into words what that means when, when you're trying to close out games? Because it, it wasn't really like Carolina was able to pull away from Clemson until like very late, but every time Clemson made a run, Carolina had an answer to keep them at arm's length. Yeah, that's uh, that just shows the maturity of your team um, because in a game like this, you know going into it that it, it's going to be a close game. And probably, you know, more than likely when you get down to um, the winning phase of the game, it's going to be close. Um, but those are the times that you work on in practice. Like, you know, you do three, four-minute drills where there's a certain score, you know, either you're uh, you're you're trying to come back from behind or you're up trying to play with a lead. Um, and that's where those moments are built, just being able to understand uh, uh, time and clock. Um, and uh, Carolina has done a great job with that, um, not necessarily pulling away from teams at the end of the game, but being able to win those close games and like you said being able to respond when a team is making a run because that's what game is all about it's about runs um and they do a good job of being able to neutralize other teams when they're making those runs to be able to finish out the game uh but like you said having self-tremble on the court like when you look at last year coach davis wasn't wasn't putting anybody on the on the court with uh as far as the bench players, he wasn't putting, he wasn't putting, but the half self tremble, I think shows the maturity, one of the players, but also shows that coach Davis trust his, uh, trust his bench. I mean, they have 14 points off the bench and you look at Clemson's team, Clemson has a pretty deep team and they only had two points off of the bench. Yeah. So I just think the development of the bench man has been huge for Carolina this year. And it's, it, it's outside of Seth Trimble, man. It's Jalen Washington. It's Paxson Wojcik came in and hit a big shot. Um, you know, even Zayden High got in there, man, and, did, and, and played some big minutes. So I just think – I think these guys are really competing and showing Coach, like, we we, we, we want to be out there on the court. Um, and I think Coach has, in return, showed that, look, I trust these guys. 
Yeah, uh, Clemson only had two bench points because Shefflin was out there. He was out there cooking. <laughs> he was cooking, was... man. That dude, that dude is a beast, man. He never stopped. He has like wind for days and never stops moving. What what is what's that experience like? Because I think when you go into the game from Carolina's perspective, you're you're expecting it to be a heavy dose of, of PJ Hall. You you get the scouting report and you know you have this guy up here, but then all of a sudden when when you're trying to take their stuff away and like the four or the five guy is the one going off and, and you're kind of looking over and being like, should should we change what we're doing or 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 how do you kind of handle that? Well, that's what me and that's what me and Coach Bayhound were talking about, like as a coach. And I remember, like as a player, Coach Williams used to tell us, like someone can't shoot, or like not out outside of Coach Williams. Like you would hear a coach and say, "Yeah, that dude can't shoot." You get in a game, this dude start lighting you up, hitting three threes in a row, and it's just like, Coach, I thought you said he can't shoot, and the coaches in their mind are saying, "Look." If you give him a just, I'm going to the gym, no no defense look, yes, he can shoot. But I'm saying he can't shoot as in you got to at least guard him, you know? Yeah. So I Give just, me a hand it, up. It, but yeah, just give me a hand up. Don't sit there and just not not close out. And, uh, yeah, no, that that's tough. But you, you spend so much time trying to scout on guys like P.J. Um, and, and, and Joe Girard, which – you know, sometimes you're okay living with other guys being able to score um, and doing what Ian Sheffler did. Um, so I think, you know, you got to give up something. And at the end of the day, you want to give up to guys that, you know, can't just they, – they can't hurt you. Joe Girard can hurt you. P.J. Hall, they, those are the t- players that can hurt you because then they open up everything else for every, uh, for everybody else. So I just think – you know, the scouting report is let those guys, you know, like Ian Shefflin do what they do, but let's neutralize the guys that can really bring some damage to our team. There was a moment in this game where Cormac Ryan sprains his ankle. He he goes to the sideline, uh, comes back in. I think it's one thing, and, and if I'm not mistaken, this his ankles have given him problems so far in, in his Carolina Sound tenure like since me. coming over. From Notre Dame. That's 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 why I got you here. Right? I never asked you about that. It, it's one thing to sprain your ankle and then come back when you have all that adrenaline still kicking in, but when it sets in the next day, the the day following that, you sprained your ankle in the NCAA tournament and, and how to overcome that to get back out there on the court. What are the challenges that that kind of come with playing on a sprained ankle and and being able to tolerate the pain that comes with it. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is is just that that uh, the day afterwards, um, and then all the preparation, just trying to get that thing back to a hundred percent. And you know, during the season, you're never at one hundred percent, even if you're one of the healthy guys. Um, and so you're already not playing at a hundred percent. And then you throw in those injuries, man, sometimes just with the way the season and what it presents, it's hard to get back healthy um, and get it to 100%. So I think that's the challenge that he's facing. Did you hear if it was, was it the same ankle he rolled against? Uh, I, I don't recall. Arkansas? Yeah. It, one of, um, one of those Bahama games. 
Yeah, at the free throw line, which was crazy. I mean, he did a double, a double ankle, <laughs> a double ankle twist. But um, yeah, man, it's just it's just hard uh, because it's it, it's just the way the season continues to go. You know, you you play a game Saturday, you you know, you got practice, um, and then you turn right back around and have a game in the midst of the uh, of the week. So just. It's hard, but you got to spend a lot of time just, you know, doing that. This is when the pro mindset comes in, getting getting in there. Uh, I mean, dude's been in school for so long. He can't be taking that many classes. So yeah, got yeah. time to get in the get in the <laughs> training room, get in the cold tub and uh, get some um, get some get some uh, get get dug in there to help him. But, yeah, it's just hard, man, when you're in the midst of the season. Before we wrap up, a big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn all about Congruity. Fill a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels, congruityhr.com, backslash Tar Heels. All right, back to the episode. Next on the schedule for this Carolina team, the road trip continues. They're going this Wednesday on the road at NC State. How does Carolina match up with this NC State team? Because at, at the time of this recording, there's three teams left undefeated in the ACC. It's Wake Forest, and then it's these two teams, North Carolina and NC State. I want to know, and maybe you can, maybe we can look this up together. When was the last time three North Carolina teams were undefeated? That's a good question. I I did see the last time NC State and uh, Carolina were undefeated when they played. Um, I think it was 1974. Wow. I think I think I think Kerr sent that that nugget. That's 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 pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, but as far as the matchup, I think um, it'll be a team where you know that pressure that pressure can really get to you. Um, I think sort of similar to Florida State. Um, not as not as much length, but um, the perimeter pressure will be there. Um, and so Carolina just, you know, they'll have to do a great job of one sticking to what they want to do, continuing to run the offense and not allowing that pressure to take you out of what you want to do. Um, and this will be this will test their on the other side of the ball. This will test their uh, transition game. 
because NC State likes to get the ball out outside of DJ Burns. Everyone else can run, so um, and, and can get out on the break. So I think uh, you know they'll have to be really good on that end. And then Armando and DJ Burns, man, that matchup is going to be really exciting. I'm excited to see how that ends up playing out. I think Armando needs to take advantage of DJ Burns not being able to run up the court uh, as fast and be able to get some easy rim runs and really put pressure on on State's defense to have to get back. And hopefully that that can relieve some of that pressure with some of those guys being able to get down down the court pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited for that matchup. It'll be really fun. This is the stat from Kirsch. It's – UNC and NC State are both 3-0 in the ACC entering Wednesday night's game. This will be the first time since January 22nd, 1974, and the fourth time ever the Tar Heels and Wolfpack play when both teams were at least 3-0 in the ACC. So 1974, 1969, and then 1959. Those, those are had three to, times. Had, Kirsch, Kirsch had to go back to the stats and go like this. <laughs> hey, don't let Kirsch get in his bag because he will. Hey, <laughs> I don't know where he keep all of that stuff. It's some, somewhere in the Dean. Somewhere in the Dean, though, he got all the notes. But that one had to be a little dusty. Yeah, um, it, but, man, that's pretty That's pretty cool, man. Um, But that'll be it, – it, it's going to be a great matchup. I think everybody knows that. The, the the videos have already hit Twitter what happened um in Chapel Hill. But I know I know it's different. It's a different sighting, you know, it's over at PNC. Um so hopefully the refs don't get involved. Hopefully Coach Keys didn't do anything to uh to influence the refs. But yeah and, it'll be a good game though. In this rivalry game against state, it, it felt like Coach Williams put a, a huge emphasis and on beating state and you see that in his in his record against nc state do you have any any favorite moments from from your time and and the success you had either against nc state in the rivalry as a whole or just trips to pnc arena um i think we can first off start by saying it's not it's not a rivalry nowhere nowhere it's it's very one-sided yeah, it's very one-sided. It's just it's the it's the little brother just wanting to hang out with the big brother, and you know we just trying to keep him out of the room. You know we'll let him get involved a little bit, but that's what it is. So I'm gonna just establish that. But I, as far as what I remember, I, I I just always remember there was a guy that just went off against NC State, like to where to where they should they should put like their names on the court. And the two guys that I'm thinking about is MP, Marcus Page, and Luke May. Those dudes went into PN. I don't know what it I don't know what it was about PNC Arena, but those dudes, every time it was state, they went in there and they played lights out. So that's that's what I remember. Um outside of that, it was Coach Williams came into the locker room um when my, uh Mark Godfrey was there. And he looked at us and he said, you guys know what's at stake. And we beat them. And I think they got Coach Godfrey out of there the next week. So <laughs> <laughs> I think in Coach Williams' eyes, that was a, that was like a, a, a double win because 
he didn't have to come in and say much. And we went out there and we got it done. So <laughs> those are the best ones when your teams kind of understand what's at stake. Like I don't have to give this rah-rah pump up speech. Like, like everybody no. knows what it is. Yeah. We, we knew exactly what it, I mean, you read the articles, you know, you heard about everything that was going on and we got to that game and it was, it was funny, man. Coach came in there and we were just expecting a long speech um, just because we knew it was, you know, it's not a rivalry, but it's, it, it brings a lot of weight. Um, and man, he didn't say, he didn't say anything at all. He just, he just looked at us and we, we knew what time it was. <laughs> we'll be back next Tuesday to break it all down. We'll have two games to talk about. One, NC State on Wednesday, 8 p.m. tip-off on ESPN. And then back in Chapel Hill this Saturday, noon tip-off against Syracuse. Uh, Your your boy, Behan. So uh, we will will break it all down. (laughs) And Joel, appreciate the time as always. And appreciate everybody watching and listening. Yes, sir. Perfect timing. My baby's crying.